0: Coming up this week on the Ride Podcast, Dietrich and I are back for another season. And this year, a little bit different. A lot more quick hits. A lot more of a turning this almost like awards or listings, rankings. Uh, kind of, which is kind of how we talk. Let's be honest. That's how me and Dietrich always talk to each other. So this week's, this year is a little bit more organic. Excited to get things going off. Uh, going to start it off the way we always started off. Kendrick Lamar. Let's go. <laughs> Could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. Welcome to another episode of the Ride Podcast, the Research and Innovation Discussion Exchange. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is Adam Dietrich.
1: We're still doing this, and also I'm thrilled that you remembered the the introduction because it, it's been a while. Yeah, man, I can't remember kids' names. Uh, here I have oh, the middle one.
0: That's what I call them. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. No, it's, uh, yeah, let's go pull the curtain back. We haven't recorded since September. And so I didn't think we were going to do this again. We kind of just left it fall off our calendars, stopped reading about it. We have some day jobs. we work together now. We're kind of reliant on each other's success again. That's true. <laughs> and so it's kind of hard to say this, take a break from those type of things and record a podcast that's uh,
1: self-serving. Um, I don't think this is self-serving. I think... We give the people what they want.
0: Ah, I love to hear that. Uh, So we have a new format. We're not doing news anymore. We're Mm -hmm. not doing polling anymore. We're not doing halftime show anymore.
1: Uh, Are you sure?
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, the idea is that, uh, so if you know us, if you've been listening, first of all, thank you uh but second of all if, let's get back to the things we really like to do and like how we usually talk with each other we uh i'll be honest like if you're with me and a song comes on that i like kind of like i'm i typically say you know what top 20 song of all time yeah Or i'll yeah. give like an award to it or like mm-hmm. i'll be like ah oh, man did you see that episode of uh svu the other day top five episode i've ever seen <laughs> or we, whatever we do,
1: we do love a list
0: we love a list, we love to rank things, we love to give the wars to things, we love drafting things. And so uh, we're gonna move into that a little bit. Still same type of premises, still same type of things. Like you're gonna learn a little bit about market research news. We're gonna highlight some things that are going on on market research social media. We are gonna talk about polls. We're gonna talk about innovation and new things that are coming up. But we're just gonna word it a little differently, kind of keep a little bit tighter time on things. So hopefully we can nudge these things. Down. I think when we first started
1: recording, we had two interviews each.
0: Yeah, we were at like an hour and 20 minutes
1: yeah that's too uh, much yeah it is a bit much uh i also think you don't want me to go as in-depth on uh, like seven polls a week uh which i think is fair feedback if i'm honest so
0: (laughs) i i would love it if i had just a little more tighter reins on the news segment some things i would say were news probably not news
1: yeah, I also think that, um, but I do know that we do have a lot of listeners who who like using us as like a news of the industry check-in, and yeah. I think like one or two people like polls. Uh, so we're still going to do them, but we're just going to keep it tighter and and kind of just like you said, dig into the more conversational, the fun stuff, um, while keeping it all industry related and just a shorter leash. All right, let's get
0: started. Uh, first segment of the week is the Is This Something Um, We actually named a podcast this last year. Is this something? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll give my is this something of the week is uh, the news that came out of Polefish this week. Polefish has announced that they're launching a 30 second survey solution. Uh, hopefully just been doing this AI enabled survey creation tool kind of similar to some of the platforms that are out there. Like let's make it easier for the masses to make their surveys. Uh, they mm-hmm. were bought by protege late last year. And so now they're enabling people to do things all in one platform and just these quick surveys, right? So like mm-hmm. quick thoughts that are coming up, 30 uh, second surveys should be really easy. Just a couple questions. Um, they're able to like add more pricing options, things as well. Uh, Dietrich, here's my question. Shorter surveys this is a new technology and kind of
1: keeping people in a boundary. Is that something? It's a good question, Adam. It's certainly something we've talked about for a long time. It's cool to see folks with resources and money uh, putting more dedication into it. Um, this is a subject matter that I, I care a lot about. I, t- I talked about this at length in, at uh, SampleCon last year. Um, I think that there is an appetite for it from what we would call like panelists or respondents or people like that. Um, yeah. I think that you can grow. We talk about the the masses of, of people that are doing research, right? Like we're appealing to the masses by making the, the barriers to entry lower. I think this also helps like reduce the barriers to entry for people to become survey respondents, which is cool. I just don't know how much research can actually be done in 30 seconds or less. And I worry that yeah. the folks who are writing the research, uh, think that they're special and their brands are special and they are um and that it might just not be the 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 demand might not be there
0: yeah everybody's got the prettiest baby um, <laughs> i am interested about this i think this is something because it gets to it's a different approach to a problem that we go all out on on a daily basis Uh yeah, I don't know if people know, like you run our Tell What panel right now. Mm-hmm. You're in charge of like recruitment and everything like that. And the user experience and user experience being a big part of that a respondent user experience. And so we're doing a lot on our side. This isn't a commercial for, for our day jobs. <laughs> uh, but like we do a lot on our side. Like how can we make it to where they can uh go and take surveys easier, like their experience is better. It's not like a bunch of clicks and buttons on stuff. It's not a half hour long. Like we want them to to be passionate about this, right?
1: Yeah, they don't do their birthday 17 times, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, just the experience is better. And so we are doing it like, let's ease the pain points that we know so that people will want to give and we can get better insights, maybe richer insights. Mm -hmm. They are saying throw, not just limit them, not let you back, but throw them all out. Like don't give someone a chance to become unengaged. So rather than make people engaged, eliminate the no. And so for me, that's something it's just uh, it's a different way of doing it. And I I think you do kind of limit the amount of surveys you can do. But Protégé's got the whole other side of the business that can fit those needs.
1: Right. 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 No, as as a complementary piece, I think it totally makes sense. Polefish has obviously been really innovative. Protégé has built out a ton of great stuff over the last five years. It makes sense as a complementary piece for sure
0: on it. Okay, give me yours.
1: My is this something uh it's something that is a little bit less fun and future and innovative. Um Nielsen last week announced uh that they're reducing headcounts to their early 2022 levels. Uh as you know, Nielsen was bought last year for I think it was 16 billion in cash. Um and they are going to do layoffs across uh all departments. Uh, and globally, uh, it's not going to spare any regions uh, over the coming weeks. And uh, Nielsen CEO David Kenny described the move as a painful business decision. Um, this is the first kind of big one that we're seeing in response to the tech layoffs that are kind of leading the news every night and kind of leading economic news right now as we get a little bit closer to a what feels like an oncoming uh, recession. Um, Adam. Nielsen works with giant companies. Giant companies are right sizing, right? If I guess if you want to use the business speak. Is this something, mm. or are cuts coming to, to research?
0: It's something. Um, and I believe it's something because of the uh, it should be right sizing absolves the decision makers and the strategy leadership from wrongdoing. hmm And so I would love this headline if it read, Nielsen reduces headcounts to early 2018 levels, not something that was 12 months ago or less. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along the lines in the span of nine months, they overhired, which is probably an overcorrection of what we were seeing with quiet quitting and just like the power shift to the employer instead of the employee to where Mm -hmm. you were like, hey, let's have people come in and have more focused job, wear less hats. Uh, be a little bit you know have an easier job let's make it nine to five work from anywhere instead of do a thousand things work your 60 hour weeks and things like that and so they overhired and now have to correct that or they just totally misread forecast of where research was coming from and that tech was going to be a lot of research I don't know if that's just true uh to be honest and so Mm -hmm. the fact that it is a course correction this quick uh while I applaud the fail fast approach Mm -hmm. um it seems like a lot of people are left like oh well well this is right sizing this is what we should have done anyway careful what you ask for type thing it kind of seems like bullshit to me um if we were really good at our job at setting smart goals and things like that
1: right yeah i think uh there's not there are not enough mea culpas uh from the c-suite when these are happening uh in a very public nature i i totally agree with you i think it's a an admission of strategic failure and and you don't often hear the admission part, right? Um. Sure. So I, I do I agree. I do think it is something. I also think um that Nielsen is more exposed than most of the research industry will be. So we'll have to wait and see on the rest of it.
0: Agree. It's so top down, right? This is the biggest one taking the hit first. Mm-hmm. Uh not that we haven't seen it from all the tech people too and all the layoffs when you think about uh, Every company, I would just—I'll just say every company. Yeah. Um, now, uh, my money talks award. This is for the company that got a huge investment over the last few weeks, and I will go with New York-based Cypress, which yeah. is a market intelligence platform. Um, it's really built to help R&D innovation teams. They raised four million dollars in ser- Series A round funding. Um, They'll use this to invest in A applications, which helps limit uh, or decrease the time to insights for and in, for users. Um, Yeah. I I think this is great. I, we are always trying to move faster. Um, along that way, like you get caught up. I know you do. I do too. Uh, in this world of roadmaps and development type systems and like getting products off the ground and what you have to do, due diligence to get those things off the ground. And this seems to help a lot of teams, not just in the agency world, not just in the brand world, but this could help people in the, uh,
1: innovation side R and D as well. Right. Totally. I think they do some really interesting stuff. Uh, they, I think that they, you know, l- let's say you work at a hedge fund or a private equity firm or at a just a big research house or a brand or whatever, and you're looking at acquisition or partnership or things like that. This is a really cool way to use kind of research methods in a big data kind of way, which I know we is a. a bastardization of the big data term, but long story short is that the Cypress basically helps you understand, uh, what the competitive landscape is. And then like what your competitors reactions are, right. What they're, you're basically able to like brand score competitors. You're able to understand at a deeper level really quickly, uh, what people think of this company you might buy or this company you might partner with or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's really cool and it's kind of a, they got 4 million in, in series A, which is great considering they uh, are relatively new. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. And I think it's just another example of the kind of the research for the masses.
0: I love it. Uh, Dietrich, what's your money talks?
1: My money talks is uh, from a little bit earlier in the month, Screen Engine ASI. Uh, they've been around for, for a long time. Folks know them for the media, movies, television, uh, those kinds of things. Um, but they acquired a brand insights and strategy firm called Coherency. Uh, d- details of the deal aren't disclosed, but uh, Coherency is best known for a product that they call Love Quotient. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a, a measurement for content creator creators and marketers to help them understand on a, you know, trying to quantify the qual nature of feelings and emotions specific to uh an individual, like a YouTuber or, uh, or a market campaign traditional kind of thing. Um, but basically they have a, a, a quotient score, right? So think of like a Q score or something like that. Um, but this is the love quotient and it's basically like how many, um, you know, rather than just like, yeah, I like BMW. How do you determine, like, I love BMW, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Those kinds of things. And I, I I, know that these, you know, these press releases are always like filled with flowery language, but I love this quote from um, what uh, Kevin Getz, he's the, the CEO and founder at Screen Engine. He said, I'm confident that Love Quotient will become the preeminent currency wherever brands and franchises compete, uh, which is just like a sweet thing to say about a <laughs> company you're acquiring's like best product.
0: And also like, you know, uh prettiest baby award. I would exactly. give them that too. You know? Right.
1: Yeah. You're you know, you you always know. gonna say nice stuff. Good but if you current. not yeah. that's 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 next level. Well done. Don't have buyer's remorse. It's there. Don't, no buyer's remorse. Exactly. You got a pretty baby.
0: You know, I love quotient you. Uh yeah, it got me, I love this thing. Uh, and I started thinking about that that wherever brands and franchises compete like how much what is the brand loyalty score what is like that brand love score hulk partners Mm -hmm. does this a lot too yeah the people they have that trending list of like 30 companies that have the highest approval rating type thing Mm -hmm. uh kind of like a q score for brands um uh i don't know how you i guess like how do you sell okay here's my mind dumb mind how do you sell this uh like do you sell this as like a subscription to clients like we're gonna sell this, that you're on the list and how you will improve that score and sell you like that we can improve your thing and then relate that to revenues and things like that?
1: I think it's more of like a metric sale, right? So it's, uh, if you're a a brand manager or someone or a marketer uh, for a brand, you, instead of, you know, buying Nielsen data to understand how much toilet paper, your toilet paper competitor sold last month in Kroger's across the country, uh, you're instead figuring out do people like them do people love them and how do i compare in love versus 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 them and yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool like it's it's a it's a quantifying a qual right it's what is the it's like emotion tracking um so like i think that this will be able to understand help people understand like what goes viral what kind of content mm-hmm. uh television you know online media all these kinds of things like what what gets emotion out of, out of my readers, my listeners, my subscribers, whatever, whatever the group may be, my buyers. Um, you think about like, I don't know, someone who it's television shows that have gone, you know, had, or channels that have gone mass over the the last few years, like Fox news, right? Um, the last 20 years they've gone from nothing to, you know, the most watched cable news show channel. Um, and a lot of that is they found a way to, do and say stuff that gets people fired up, right? That's kind right. of their core business model. This is the way of trying to quantify that and do it at scale, which I think is pretty cool.
0: Do you think big Kev Big Kev, the uh founder and CEO of Screen ever says you went to get you more love, that's his last name.
1: Is it gets gets I
0: don't know. Whatever Kevin wants, Kevin gets. I think oh, he ever says there that? it is. There it is. Yeah. It's an older bit of goodie. I'll bring that back out. Uh What's right, next, next, Adam. Like, <laughs> move it along. Uh, the next thing is uh flowers. Uh typically on this podcast we've stayed away from promotions. Uh, but I think it's important to raise people up, especially as we just got done talking about all the layoffs out there. Mm-hmm. Uh so this part where we give flowers, we give the, the gold star award of the week to a new promotion. Mine goes to uh Protege our Proto Brand, not Protege, they were already in the news. Proto mm-hmm. Brand names their new CEO Pal Morton Alfese. Uh, he's a new CEO there. He's taken over from the founder and chairman, Anders uh, Bingson. So uh, huge news. Protobrand, you've seen them at conferences. They wear red pants. Uh, they are awesome as far as like they apply behavioral science to build technology research methods to kind of uh, uncover consumer motivations on things. They have a lot of different platforms that they're using with other parts of data. Uh, huge growth from this company over the last, I would say, eight, eight, ten yeah, years. Yeah. Um, and so to, I think... It, Says a lot to bring in somebody new outside of the, you know. You have that that founder CEO is a special breed, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that found the company, and that's you know uh, we talk about prettiest baby. That is their baby. That they always see things maybe a step or two ahead of everyone else. And to bring mm-hmm. in uh, a new CEO that shows some real growth, new commitment to not just shareholders but also their employees as well.
1: Totally, uh, I love that in the inauguration of this. Uh, of this section, you decided to, to give flowers to a name you couldn't pronounce. That's perfectly on brand brand for you. Uh, I got it right. Okay, I sure got it right. you did. Um, but I yeah, but but I do join you in <laughs> really appreciating good. the fact that Proto Brand went outside. I think he's a former employee, but outside for kind of that next stage. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, um, who
1: are you giving flowers to? My flowers are going to Anzu. Uh, they are a uh, a platform in, uh, based in Israel. Um, but one of the things that we've talked about a little bit is how respondents become respondents. And one of the things we talked about is the growth of like mobile and online gaming as a hub, uh, sometimes good, sometimes oftentimes bad hub, of generating traffic for, to get people to participate in surveys. Um, it can certainly be abused. There are a million examples of it. But what they did is they uh, got a patent for in-game ad tracking technology, which I think is pretty pretty sweet. It's a uh, an interesting kind of way of kind of clearing out the block to understand how effective at generating traffic that comes to research or generating traffic in general that leads to clicks and CPAs and all that kind of stuff uh, come from the in-game ad world, which has just blown up over the last few years, particularly... During the COVID times, uh, a lot of people playing games on their phones and at home and seeing and being exposed to new ads that are cheaper and easier access for new brands, smaller brands, et cetera. Uh, And I think the next step is whenever we have a new platform like this is how to insights integrate with them. And shout out to Anzu.io on getting uh, their patent for uh, their own ad tech, uh, ad tracking tech uh, within games.
0: I love it. I think it's great, too. I love it I love it when people, like, really put in not just, like, this, like, you know, you have this, these ideas, but then you go out and patent it to, yeah. to really put behind, like, yeah, you know, this is good. We're going to do the extra step. It's not just going to be, like, you know, something we think is great.
1: I love that idea. That's great. 100%. What's next, uh, Adam?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. The next thing, um, <laughs> it's called Pass the Poles. Uh, <laughs> so this is the polling segment now and so we're doing it differently this week so we started doing the polls not just because you're like a nerd about polling yeah. cool,
1: and cool, all cool. that
0: uh but more so like it's kind of the easiest way to tell your family what you do for a living i think 100 percent um and it's the easiest way to be like oh you know like uh, how people what they register for their party and stuff well pretend that your governor's race is a box of cereal and like think about the benefits and the features of that cereal and which one you like most. And so you would vote like that's the best cereal because I believe in these things. And so like, that's kind of how we tell the story of how we work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what like consumer insights and stuff are. And so that's what we call it. Past the polls play on past the roles as you sit around the uh, Thanksgiving dinner table. Uh, so my <laughs> poll, I don't think that's bad. We'll no, I, I, I
1: love that our last our last uh, episode was probably around before Thanksgiving so uh, it's a still topical joke keep going <laughs> Thank you uh,
0: so let's go uh, I'll go with a poll from Gallup that ran uh, kind of they looked at the trends in political party identification over the last uh, 34 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so looking back from 1988 to 22, uh, which is all presidential elections as well, uh, between the trends of people that identify as Republican versus independent versus Democrat, uh, really, if you look at where things started in 88, no one was above the 40 percent mark, but no one was below the 30 percent mark for Mm -hmm. those three uh, parties. And now. Look at where we are now in 2022. We're at a dead heat in Republicans and Democrat at 28%, while independents are the highest they've, what uh, are the highest they've ever been, maybe not the highest, uh, mm-hmm. at 41% of people self identify as independents. And again, this is from a Gall- Gallup telephone poll. Um, I think this is interesting because I think that people, when it comes to politics now, enjoy kind of a, a gray area um I, I think in politics right now you are either dead set like on one of the poles, or you treat it like the golden corral where you could have a little bit of steak a little bit of noodles fill up a salad you know try out this you know the the apple fritter versus also having some soft serve like you don't have <laughs> to commit to any type of cuisine and that's why i think independence is kind of that safe area you can argue with anybody and kind of live in this gray area, devil's advocate type world. Uh, what are
1: your thoughts, Dietrich? Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I'm going to yeah. nerd out for a second here, but I love anytime we can get a buffet reference uh, analogy. Yeah. It's it's a good thing. Um, you're correct, but it's a little bit more of a depiction of how people uh, self-identify as an exterior motive rather than an actual independence as if they were a swing voter right so the biggest change is that independence in 1988 this is when polling was a lot easier to do um they were genuinely in between i agree with the democrats on this i had to agree with the republicans on that but i don't agree with them on everything so i consider myself an independent now it's i vote the same way as nancy pelosi would vote but i just don't like her Or I've voted for every Republican ever, but I don't like Donald Trump. Uh, And so I'm going to call myself an independent, right? There's folks on there. And so one of the things that's particularly great about uh, public opinion research right now is that we have the ability to append previous affiliations, previous voting histories, all of those kinds of things, um, and kind of track it longitudinally so that we can identify, okay, you say you're an independent, but you're actually, you've never voted for anybody but a Republican or anybody but a Democrat, right? Right. Um, that is a necessary factor. It's also a really good depiction of why, like I said, polling is more difficult today than it used to be. Um, this is also, I don't, I, I I think Gallup's, like you said, they've done this for a long time. Uh, right now is the first time, except for a little blip during the Bush, uh, W. Bush years, where Democrats don't have an advantage um i think that this is related particularly to um gen z uh a lot of folks are going to vote uh democrat from that group uh and and have traditionally you know think of the sub 30 year old crew um but they don't necessarily see their relationship with joe biden in a positive light or the democratic kind of constituency and leadership in a positive light uh, so it used to be traditionally that Republican, Republican-leaning Republican voters would de- identify as as independents. Now we're seeing a generation of de- liberal-leaning voters identify as, Democrat, as, as independents. So interesting stuff. I could talk for seven years on this, and I shouldn't. Uh, so instead, I'm going to go to my past the polls. Yeah, one is, quick question ahead, for please. you on that.
0: Like, we get independent up there pretty high. Like, yeah. What about like recent years, say 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, we saw the yep. rise of like the Libertarian Party, right? Mm-hmm. We we're like, uh, there's cowards. No, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> we're like, we just saw like, well, I, I'm not that I'm not that so I'm this. Yeah. Uh, is that where we're at with like that independent thought now?
1: Okay, so the Libertarian thing during presidential years is, is really interesting um so in in 2016 it was ron johnson and that was a lot of republicans who were fiscally conservative but just couldn't bear the thought of voting for donald trump because of whatever issue they may have had with uh the man um that's traditionally been the case uh you can go back to 92 and 96 with the clinton elections um where you kind of just have a a nice little catch-all uh candidate uh who again is kind of like the I'm not them. I'm not them. So I guess I'm going with this person kind of thing. Um, Ah. That being said, there is this belief, particularly on Twitter and uh, in coastal, well-educated areas that there is room for a third party. Um, There just really isn't. The rise of independence doesn't necessarily mean that they're looking for something different. They're just going to be a little bit more outspoken and cynical toward the party that they actually affiliate with than they were before. I love it. What's your, yeah. pass the polls to you. My passing of the polls is I am not going to nerd out on, uh, you know, some prediction for an election 20 months from now. Uh, instead, now that we've had all of our uh, elections from November certified uh, at the beginning of uh, of January uh, and December, and, you know, folks are now taking office from those elections, I'm going to shout out the folks who were better than average amongst those polling firms who released results for nine or more races in the final month of the campaign. So this is really important. These are the folks who are putting themselves out on the limb and saying, hey, here's how we see an election going. And they were better than average. So these are people who generally, I think one of the most important things in public opinion research is a body of work. Are you willing to show how accurate you've been in the past? And these are the folks who were more accurate than others. Uh, From the online side, you have SurveyUSA, YouGov, uh, Civics, Signal, uh, and Data for Progress. Previous, the ride, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, on the first tradi- episode, what's that? First episode. It was the first episode. Oh. Uh, and then on the more traditional side, you've got Marist, uh, Emerson College, uh, Remington, and Siena. Uh, they all—all all of those were, like I said, more accurate than the average, and all of them put out nine or more different races in the final month leading up to the election so mm-hmm. kudos to them maris dugov emerson civics signal data for progress remington and sienna it's really cool i love seeing yeah. that
0: uh next segment is called best post ever this is where we highlight a linkedin post from <laughs> that we saw that really made us want to hit that like button i think we're i well not you I'm kind of promiscuous with my LinkedIn uh, world. I will like anything. I'll connect with anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's just where we're at. And so my, uh, my comes from Sahil Mansuri, who's the CEO of Bravado. Yeah. Uh, Who was talking about the Google layoffs. Um, Very long post. I'll limit it to this. Uh, The leadership team is on the sales team now. Every product you build must be exactly what customers need. Throw the roadmap out the window. It ain't worth shit. Every marketing campaign has to be as personalized as a cold call. Throw that generic brand stuff out the door too. Every dollar must be saved. Every ounce of focus and sweat must be expended. The only thing that matters is the customer. We do this in the sales already. Welcome to seeing everybody else. Uh, That's probably me as like a revenue leader saying that's the best post ever. But uh, it got 16,000 likes, so I'm not alone Mm -hmm. Um, but I love it. I just think it's a great way to think about things. Like as we think about the, we have to, we, it is a comfortable place sometimes to spend in preparing and planning and strategy. And now it has to be like, well, how is this really going to impact what we're doing? What's the, what's the real execution of these things really pan out to be?
1: I love it. I think I would also caveat based on what we had that conversation about Nielsen earlier. uh, This post says 2023 is going to be a bloodbath. And then he says, in tech, right? I, I, I'm not seeing enough yet that I'm I'm convinced that it's going to be anything like 0809 that affects all industries, all homeowners, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, rates have gone up and things like that. But I think uh, Sahil's po- post is really poignant at showing uh, what you can do to avoid the fate of Google and other folks, um, but making sure that he's not uh, just a doomsdayer. I like that part of this the most. Yeah, what's your best post you ever seen? My best post of the week came from our good friend, Bill Trovinger. Uh, he was in research at uh, InTech for a, a long time. He now is at Albertson's, <clears throat> the uh, grocery retailer uh, out west. Um, and he starts off by saying, six years ago today, I was laid off from General Mills. And he talks about the layoffs at Amazon and Microsoft and all these folks. And I think it was just a particularly good post because it goes on to say your layoff does not define you, define your skill set or define the unique and amazing talents you have to share with the world. Uh, It's really, really easy when we see this type of news that it, like I said, to go doomsday -er, uh, or to think that it's some, you know, if you're one of the, a group that's laid off that you are from the bottom 10% of the workforce or the the folks that you were working with or any of those kinds of things, um, that it's just, redirects you to find a new outlet. Uh, And Bill was, you know, somebody, I think a lot of folks on particularly on research world, LinkedIn look up to um, and him talking about the, the, the silver linings and all of this uh, I think was really, really helpful. Uh, And that also got a lot of likes. So I'm not alone in appreciating it.
0: Good dude. Good dude. Uh, Next segment is called the big dummy. Uh, One of the things I'm not afraid of doing, I do it a lot, maybe too much. Mm-hmm. Um, is just admitting when you're wrong on something, yeah. uh, in market research. And I'm really ready to admit that I was wrong with chat GPT. Uh, <laughs> that was just like a cool thing that people were using and, you know, market research, we, uh, we lose our minds over new technologies while you still using the same methodologies for over the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that can be really great in content marketing which is a huge piece and you know, going back to my best post ever, content marketing is going to be great as far as we think about the sales process and people yeah. connect marketing and sales a little bit more. I know there's sometimes those two uh, become more like silos and, and competitive forces against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now like you can write things, you can, you know, sound halfway intelligent. Uh, you proofread a lot of my stuff I post on the internet. I do. I'm not, I'm not great at a lot of things. Uh, things make sense in my head. This chat GPT helped me out a lot, so uh, <laughs> I was wrong. It is not a fad. I think it's going to be a, a pretty good use. I I don't know about the research implications a lot of time, but for a oh, lot to We're going we're we're to have opinion. plenty of
1: talks about that this year, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll try to at least fit it, fit it through that peg. I might not be wrong about that yet, but I am mm-hmm. wrong about it being a fad. And it's going to go away.
1: I had it as you know those like you know Boston Dynamics the folks that have the the robots that are like yeah, dogs. the doggies yeah, yeah and like every I don't know a couple times a year a new vi- a video will go viral of sure. them doing something crazy cool uh, robots yeah the robot dogs um, I kind of put Chat GPT in that same kind of realm where it's like whoa look at our cat like our computer overlord the robots are coming to get us but it's a fad you know kind of a thing and I think you're right yeah. I think it's not uh, I, I it is not a robot dog.
0: I kind of wish it was a robot dog now. Now with that <laughs> analogy, I wanted a little bit more. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear right. that. What do you, what are you wrong about idiot?
1: Uh, uh, I was wrong about, uh, the former president, Donald J. Trump. Um, I thought after go on the, the midterms did not, uh, go the way that, uh, the Republican party and kind of the, the common narrative, uh, predicted, um, that he was going to be dead in the water, that he was going to kind of, uh, as the face of the Republican Party, take take an L. Um, but polling all within the last week from Emerson College, Morning Consult, Harvard Harris, and uh, the folks at Axios all show Trump at uh, anywhere between 48 and 55 percent among likely GOP voters. Uh, Ron DeSantis is anywhere from 28 percent to 30 percent. The most interesting part about this, the reason I'm saying that Trump is not dead is that DeSantis was slowly, as his name ID went up, was kind of slowly eating away at the, those Trump numbers. Uh, and Trump has somehow stemmed the tide. Um, DeSantis is kind of stuck there right now. Again, it's way too far out uh, to, to make any kinds of predictions who knows those are some volatile people. I think it's probably the most professional way to say that um, they could yeah. obviously all make mistakes. Races can change. It's way too far out. Um, but the ability to move on from Trump amongst GOP voters, I thought was going to happen, and I was wrong. I'm in the big yeah. I, I got a lot of jokes, but I'll, well,
0: I'll stick with one. I, I with one. Sometimes when you say racist, I think you're saying racist.
1: Okay, this and is a when great. When you place said to go. right there,
0: racist can change, and about what we're talking about, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at you, racist can change. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, all right, that's great. Elections that's great. can change. Elections. What's can your change. Uh, next segment? Is uh, your favorite food or drink of the week? What, what's it, what's make, what's giving you pleasure?
1: Okay, I don't like your hoppy IPA beer stuff. I'm like the only person from our generation, guy from our generation, that doesn't like IPAs and that kind of stuff. So I often drink uh, like super dark non hoppy beers uh you know like porters and things like that during the during the winter but last week two weeks ago i was checking out the, at the grocery store and there was a checkout thing uh special for recorder league swedish cider and man is it good put it over uh over ice and i thought it was just a summertime drink it is not a good cider is a around the clock around not around the clock don't drink it around the clock yeah, yeah no go on i like this <laughs> across the calendar new you do you it's enjoyable good. and refreshing drink i particularly like recorder league pear that's my oh, drink that's of the really
0: week. nice uh mine's gonna be a food of the week uh i live in cincinnati ohio um and the thing around here is skyline chili dip especially now uh, the Bengals are playing very good football i did test the Bengals, uh, not not a big fan of the of that football program, but I do love some Skyline chili dip. I actually, took a picture of some Skyline chili dip I made this weekend and sent it to the group. Uh, I did get the greatest responses, but um, it is delicious, um, and it's it's got all the major food groups in it as well. So uh, I love it.
1: Um, a Cincinnati favorite.
0: Yeah, the last piece we're gonna do is a quick draft. So we have a topic going on. Each of us will give three. Picks for the draft. It'll go yep. snake, serpentine. So You, all you right, good with that? Yeah. Alright, topic this week we're drafting is things to do in an airport. I started booking some flights the other day uh, for this year uh, conference season and all that jazz. And so, things to do in an airport. Dietrich, I'm going to give you first pick. What's your favorite thing to do in an airport?
1: I love... Well, there's a lot of things. Uh, we've as travel buddies over the years that we've uh, had to do out of necessity and boredom through delays and all that kind of stuff at an airport um but my favorite thing is when i'm flying solo is that time between because i sleep on planes that time between you land and wake up and you're waiting to get off the plane i like to think of like a a to-do list of stuff that's just been on my to-do list for too long and i use my time sitting in the airport between exchanges or whatever uh to do like the things that are super low priority but i have to get done. Like. I ran into her at a conference and I've been meaning to email her back. That kind of thing. I love to have like a, a just checking off those low priority accomplishments a, a, as, as emails sitting at the airport.
0: Man, that's pretty productive. I don't know who you're trying to prove. You got an interview later. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to do? What's your uh, choice? Uh, magazines. <laughs> 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 My number one. Yeah. Like I was thinking the other day, I was like, man, I would love, like I used to love when I was like in college, just to get away from the frat bro life I was in, I would like get at a subscription to Esquire yeah. and I would like sit and like on magazine day came and I would sit with Esquire and like a bourbon and probably a solo cup. It was probably like granddad or something and act mm-hmm. like I was high society. And mm-hmm. now it's hard to see a magazine nowadays. Everything's online print business, right. you know, not, not killing it. And so uh, you can always find a good, like thirty varieties of magazines at airports. I love to go to the airport and grab a magazine. And then the best part is usually like after a month or so I'll start cleaning out my work bag and I have like four magazines. Mm -hmm. I'll find it like, Oh, this is so cool. Like look at all these glossy pictures. Yeah. Uh, So so that's my first thing to do at an airport. Uh, (laughs) Man, we're going to be different here. Uh, My second favorite thing to do at an airport is go to the Delta lounge. Uh, (laughs) Again, it's a high society type thing. I like to feel like I'm better. Like, especially like the ones that are up where you're actually looking down, like literally looking down on people. <laughs> yeah, really nice. Yeah. I like that's... to slap in the AirPods, not speak to anybody. Try to see if I can see a celebrity. So, like, mm-hmm. You know, that's really what I'm into is like try to see like <sighs> am I going to see us. All right. I won't say it. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're going to say now, too. So that's even better. Uh, but like try to, you know, I love being in the Delta Lounge. Like tr- I like to try new foods. Like I'm never going to have a tarot shake. Uh, but if they got one served in the Del Lounge, I'm going to try it out that day. You know? I yeah. like to see what's going on. I like to go up and see like they always have like three taps usually, and one is Michelob Ultra, no thanks. The second one is a local, and then the other one's a seasonal. I try to guess which one's free, and yeah. which one you have to like spend miles and stuff on. And I kind of <laughs> yeah, and those are just little games I play with myself. But that's my second pick. Oh, what's your my second pick?
1: My second pick is uh, some a game that you and I also play, and that's yeah. the celebrity look alike game. Um, so occasionally we will see, you will see a celebrity when you're traveling, but the more enjoyable game than just looking at everyone and trying to see if you recognize them from the the, the silver screen is instead to just kind of see people who just have a minor, minor similarity to a celebrity and saying, yeah. oh my God, check it out. It's Bill Paxton.
0: And send um, pictures of them to, to each yeah. other. That's
1: my yeah. favorite game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so if there's somebody, you know, who's just, they could be like 6'4", not even, and it'd be like, oh, which NBA player is this? Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff uh, is always, always enjoyable. Uh, I also love the, the, like, the too serious business travel guy and, uh, and just like, you know, who has all the, you know, the suit and a, a bunch of different stuff going on and being like, oh, Jeff Bezos is here, uh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Stars are just like us. What's your last pick? Um, again, it's. Uh, I feel like, especially over the like pandemic times, didn't get a lot of interaction. Uh, we all a lot of us work from home now. I like stealing style from uh, you know, just like standing in line and being around a bunch of people. Like, what's cool. Yeah, I think yeah. like I learned a lot more about like what's on trend, uh, stylistically. Whether it's just like tech gadgets, clothes, anything like that, like I love to just do a good fly on the wall uh, during a delay or uh, layover as I as I move through the airport. I think uh, all my great. If you if you like the way I look when you, when folks see me at conferences, know that I stole it from somebody at an airport. I love that. And if you, and if you don't like the way I look at a conference, know keep I stole it, to it from yourself. somebody at an airport. Yeah. yeah, keep it to yourself. We
0: don't need I'm that. Just trying. Uh, my last one, I uh, can't believe I've been mentioned, but just getting, uh, drinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do. Uh, my, one of my favorite bars is that, uh, is it in, Sh- no, it's in DC. It's at Reagan. The yep. one that's in between Delta and the United. And I used to always meet you there. There's that little bar, like doesn't <clears> even have like a sitting room. I don't think but nope. it has like a, 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 it, all it is is benches. It, I mean, not benches, but bar stools. And, like, I like to sit down there, again, put the AirPods in. I'm not trying to talk to anybody, uh, ever. And I'm watching, you know, Squawk Box or something. Uh, morning yep. Joe. Yep. And, and just having a little cocktail. But I mean, I don't care what time of day it is. And I feel like that, to me, like, when I think about I've made it, is me at an airport drinking.
1: That's we weird. All, we all have metrics to, to to define ourselves, Adam. I'm glad that's yours. Um, I also think that if you... I like the airport pre-measured shot thing where it like caps.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're up, the go up, and then they go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, that's the sign of being in an airport bar, you know. It's pretty nice. I I'm not gonna lie. Like I've got numerous. It's
0: every time I travel, I Google like best bar at LaGuardia. Oh my goodness! Something. And you know, you know my LaGuardia bar. Yeah, yeah I do. Love, I love that place, man. Uh, there you go that's our draft of things what to do what a hell of a note to end on that was it's pretty good uh, hope you like this first episode of the season we're going to try to do this bi-weekly it's in our calendar now that's something progress that's all we're yeah. doing Just progress I think that's pretty good all right Dietrich thanks so much for joining I'll talk to you soon